I've covered movie boys, you know. <laughs> there we go. We knew that one was going to be the thing. And and when we do the second Dead Rising at some point, I'm going to do the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah. We're not right we're not going to do anything. I've covered movie boys, you know. That'll be the the way I introduce the second because of the and the thing and the ha- hello Conrad how are you today I'm doing well Jim how are you I'm all right I'm good I watched uh, Dead Rising Watchtower today me too yeah um not quite the revelation that DOA dead or alive was but still a bit surprising yeah. still still somewhat surprised by how much I enjoyed uh, not consistently, or not all of it, but how much I enjoyed a good whack of it. Yeah, I would agree with that. It, as a, and you know, and, and as something you hear, a it, it is a film based on a video game series by Capcom, which you know, don't get me wrong, Resident Evil did okay, but there's a whole lot that could get lost in translation from a Capcom product. Um, made by a digital production studio on the web, and all of a sudden you start, like, everything I say lowers your expectations for what, like, each little bit of additional information about how this came to to be makes you less inclined to think that it's going to be a high-quality experience. Uh, so my expectations were really low, and this well exceeded well exceeded my expectations for it. Um, not as much as DOA. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 I didn't have that much fun with this, but there's some there's some clever, interesting, entertaining, fun stuff in this perhaps overly long um, zombie flick. Yeah. Yeah, and Rob Riggle's in it. That's why I, I, if I'd have known that, I'd have been more into uh, watching it before I watched it. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone on Twitter, when I mentioned that, was like, well, how didn't you know? Like, he was all over the promo material. I'm like, son, did you think I watched a trailer for this? Like, I, I know th- this film was, like, squirted out with very little fanfare, as far as I remember. I think I was still doing, like, video game news on Destructoid or wherever, when it came out. Oh no, no. This is uh this is more recent than that, isn't it? Is it? Yeah. This came um, out last year. Did it? Uh-huh. Well that's even worse. If it's that recent and I still didn't know Jack shit about it. Yeah, I didn't uh I, I remember hearing about it when it was announced. I had known that Rob 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 Riggle had been cast in it. Um they, yeah, they shot it in 2014, according Jesus. to Wikipedia. Uh, that'll explain why it's f- filmed with a kind of look of the sci-fi channel about it. Which yeah. seems to be a thing a lot of uh, lower-budget films do, is they go for that sci-fi channel look, where they're, there's just something about the camera work that looks a little bit television. Well, and this was, this was produced by Legendary Pictures, which mm-hmm. they have been a... Um, I don't want. I want. I, I don't want to use the term meat grinder, uh, but I can't come up with a better expression because I'm very, very tired. Um, but they they do they 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 are a real churn factory of product and sure, and sure. and especially uh, things based on IP and yeah. And they, well, they're a complete scattergun. 
they yeah. are a blunderbuss of of production because there are a lot of really fine legendary pictures films. Yep. I but, whenever I hear that name as a company, I'm usually at least a bit interested in what they're doing right, because but, but they, they've got a real fifty fifty. This is either going to be like pretty damn good or pretty damn shit. Yes, that's kind of the that's kind of the thing. Uh, you never it's it. A legendary pictures film is like a box of chocolates. Like, yeah. You really don't know. And it is the corporate equivalent of Ben Kingsley. It'll mm-hmm. do anything. Anything. Don't give a fuck. And they are they are uh they're owned by a Chinese conglomerate, Legendary Pictures is. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know if anyone it's just an interesting factoid. Chinese. There you go. Making our culture for us. You you may It's the American way. You may scoff. You may scoff. But those Chinese, they know propaganda. They know how to do that. They know how to do it well. And it just stands to reason to me that they should own um, a major media company Mm -hmm. distributing uh, art globally and that is especially successful in the Western world. I think uh, I think there's a lot of amazing potential in that, actually. Look at you. Getting all political <laughs> all up in the spin-off doctors. Oh, yeah, but no. Um, anyway. Dead uh, Rising. I love Dead uh, Dead Rising is one of my favorite games, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the originals so much. I love... Even the things that i I heard a lot of people complain about in terms of its design uh, because it is a very it is an eastern game operating in the western aesthetic it's got a lot of problems I mean I don't think even fans can deny that no it's it's got it's definitely got problems a ton of them yeah. I think some of those problems are misidentified mm-hmm. like a lot of people bitch about the timer system in Dead Rising, which I love. I love that there's that constant pressure, and it's it's just a different type of game than having the you know the freedom that people maybe wanted and expected, yeah, out of an open world zombie well, a, sandbox it, thing. It's a tough thing to sell because you put them in a shopping mall, which first of all was a fantastic setting, not just because of you know how shopping malls are tied into Romero style. Oh, zombie sure. stuff. So thematically it was really good, but it was also just a great playground. A great uh, a fertile uh, bed for the kind of weird, wacky violence that came to typify the series. Because you've got all of the shit in a shopping mall. You know, it's, it's, it's already got just a great colourful aesthetic that you don't normally find in zombie games, which are always more dark and gloomy. So you've got this bright, garish, consumerist uh, you know, very Romero-esque s- scenario with different stores, with different shit in that you can, you know, grab a toaster and, and hit someone with it. Go get toy swords from the toy store. So it, it it's such a big, fun sandbox that I understand why putting a time limit on that feels so contrary. Yeah, feels yeah. like it runs so counter to what the game at first glance looks like. 
Yes. It's hard to get around that cycle. It's always been hard for me to get around that psychologically. It's part of why I, I don't necessarily hate that the time is there. I get the gameplay reason for it. Um, but it is why I, for example, greatly enjoyed Dead Rising 3 was because they expanded that timer greatly to the point where I did feel I had some time to just cut loose. Yeah. Now, I... I love the timer so much mm-hmm. because I need it. I desperately need it. Right. I I don't know. I, I wouldn't. I'm not. I'm, I don't have an attention problem. But there's so much to do. Yeah. And so many uh, interesting things to explore and play around with. That were it not for the timer, were it not for this sort of strict schedule that I would need you, to stick to. You yeah. appreciate the focus. I do. Greatly. Yeah. Greatly. I can I can understand that. And it and it, and I think it gives it a a legitimacy. It makes it different because I know uh, Dead Rising 4 of course is coming out later this year and and, and it's going to do away with the timer for the first yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. And and the uh, a complaint I saw about that just last night actually because someone was asking me to cover the Dead Rising 4 controversy. And I'm not sure exactly what that controversy is yet cuz every big game has a controversy. You just got to find what it is people are upset about at the time. Um but one person did say, yeah, they've, they've gone and removed the timer, a.k.a. the only thing that separated Dead Rising from all the other zombie games, which I don't think is necessarily fair, but... No, no especially since there for uh, a good stretch of time there, Dead Rising was the zombie game. Yeah, yeah, for much. me, for me, Dead Rising, what makes it stand out is the fact that I can play dress-up and put things on zombies' heads and just do really silly shit but still have a, a game that's actually got kind of a serious life and death intensity to it. Mm-hmm. Um, that It's one of those games that I respect, that, that almost like Metal Gear Solid as a series, is equal parts serious and goofy, and doesn't compromise on either. So that to me is why I find Dead Rising as a series appealing. That, uh, but... I do understand as well that the timer has been a big defining trait of the series, so I can see why people would be disappointed that it's not there. I th- I might be missing one achievement in the original Dead Rising. I, I played mm-hmm. the hell out of it. Did you get the... Um, Seven Day Survivor? Um, I tell you what. I tell you one thing about Dead Rising is I've played Dead Rising 1, Dead Rising 2, Dead Rising 3. I've only played Dead Rising 3 to an amount that one could call substantial. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, it's the only one I ever like completed. It's also the only one that I've played. Like Dead Rising 2, I had probably because of time constraints, because I, I was at Destructor during that period. Someone else was reviewing it. That was just, me. There you go. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, because I was... Yeah, because you really wanted to do it. I remember us having that conversation. You were like, can you get me on that? And I yeah. I was like, I'll see what I can do. Um, so, yeah, I downloaded it on PC and played it for like 10 minutes and then got distracted and never went back to it. Dead Rising 1, I had to return to the store the day after I bought it. Not because I necessarily had a problem with the game, but because... 
it was literally unplayable because this was kind of the the dawning of HDTV. Oh, and you when it yes. came out, yes, I remember. Yeah, this. I was not exactly a rich man, and HDTV at the time was way more expensive than it is now. And was still a relative, like, standard definition was still the standard. Yep. Um, it, that was one of my borderline catchphrases during my early time at uh, Destructoid, was there's a reason they call it standard definition, because it's the fucking standard. Uh, which was my way of expressing a bit of annoyance that certain games went so deep so fast into HDTV that it actually kind of ignored uh, a lot of people who didn't yet have the the funds or the opportunity to have HD and Dead Rising was one of those games. Uh, the text, some of which had really important shit on it, mm-hmm. was unreadable. And I had a pretty big SDTV at the time, but I too fuzzy, too small. Had to I had to return it, and I never got it since. Um, I'm heavily considering getting the triple pack when it comes out. A little bit upset that it's not remastered or anything. Um, but I, I feel like there's unfinished business with that first Dead Rising. I feel like it's a disservice to myself that I haven't played more of it than I have. Like, I put in as much as I could put in um, the first day that I got it. I may have had it for two days even. Because I remember I, I got fairly, fairly into it. I got a good ways into the story. Um, but there is a lot about it I don't know or that I don't quite get there are mechanics in there that are so interesting and unique to the series that i want to replay and understand and appreciate um but yeah that was my whole thing with it was i could see a lot of the good elements i could see a lot of the criticisms about it but i could not get past the fact that it was unplayable on an sdtv and uh yeah because the the first uh tv i had that had any high definition, and I'm doing air quotes there, high definition, because, like, its highest setting was 480p, mm-hmm. and it was some ridiculously large, like, 40-inch tube television. Oh, I've seen those things. It, yeah, my it, uh, in-laws had one of those for a while. It was enormous, and there was something wrong with mine to where it would uh, just go entirely blue, and you'd have to whack it on the corner, <laughs> and eventually it would flip and, and fade out and be fine again. And so this would happen while I was playing Dead Rising, which worked out because most of the menu stuff in Dead Rising is blue. So at least it wasn't like a, a startling shift of reality to have the screen suddenly start going blue. It's, it, 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 it was thematically, uh, visually themed. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I but I, God, just, it is incredibly good fun. And it's not it. It's a Capcom plot line, through and through. It's very Resident Evil in its in its sort of stories, which are all these sort of complicated conspiracy theory ish um, yeah. deals. And 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 the zombies are controlled by bees because of course. Well, yeah, yeah they're, yeah, yeah. It's weird. It well, it is weird. That is weird. The queen bee item is such a weird fucking idea. <laughs> it's it's beyond strange. Um, 
but that, you know, it is justified. I say the word justified as if there could be a justification for this, but I mean, well, it, just, it's Capcom justified, well, it's, which is its own. But logic. it is, it's part of the plot narrative. It's part of the, the there is a, a pseudoscientific explanation for this supplied yeah. by the game. So they went to effort at least. Yeah, I'm sure it was, so we need something to be controlling. I don't know, bees. All right, fine. And, you know, but... Just a dartboard with words on it. <laughs> it, it hit bees. Fuck. Some graphic artist at Capcom is in the meeting, and he's just drawn, I don't know, we can do this. And like, yeah, fine. Use jars. Why not? Jars of bees. Uh, yeah. If you've never played it before, you get a... <laughs> be in a job. Well, you you identify a zombie that's behaving differently from other zombies, and they'll be swatting at their heads. Oh and, yeah, and you know that he's the zombie that's got a queen uh, inside him. Acid. Why did I get be in a jar from? Well, you catch the bee in a jar. Ah, ah, yes. You have to collect jars and have it and have them in your inventory, <laughs> and use them to catch these bees and then you throw the jarred bee onto the ground and it kills it and it kills all the zombies in your immediate vicinity so good so (laughs) good i think it's been literally 10 years since i played uh the first dead rising has it really been that long i i want to say i played it 2006 2010 uh is dead rising 2 when was dead rising 1 god it could have really been that long because it was a proper early Xbox 360 game. Yeah, it was one of the like the very yeah. first, very first console rem- exclusives they had. There's only a few things I can remember about it being so long ago. I remember how much I enjoyed the uh, hand weight as a weapon, just the the basic handheld lifting weight that you just put in your hand and used to punch zombies' heads off. I found that incredibly satisfying. I remember a mission with a some young photographer who is taking photos of me fighting zombies. Mm-hmm. I remember the zombie poodle at the beginning in the cutscene barking outside the mall. I remember that whole opening sequence because I kept dying a lot and having to replay that bit. Um, which, if I recall correctly, was uh, part of the point of the game, wasn't it? There was this almost... Uh, I don't want to say roguelike, but this almost... Uh, like, like you do die, and oh, your yeah. stuff carries over, and the idea is you get better as a character. Yeah, there to be was... better equipped to make it for that forty-eight hours. Yeah, there, there was a sort of passive progression system that carried over your experience earnings from one session to the next, and so um, Frank's stats would improve. And you would get the benefits of those improved stats on your next playthrough. Um, See, I like that. I like the idea that, you know, failing at it isn't a waste of time. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, it's... Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's good design in that the player... Really, I mean, because even in that situation, even if it didn't improve your stats... You've learned so much over the course of that last playthrough that you can now apply and do better on the subsequent one, that you will perform better and get further, most likely. But... I mean, that's part of why I'm so obsessed with The Binding of Isaac, is that whole... 
you know, you die and, and that's it for that run, but, but you come back with some stuff unlocked or and, and some better knowledge and stuff. And but it's taking, just edging forward. Taking that a step further and, and adding that experience progression system in on top of that softens the blow so Absolutely. much. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's I, I appreciate that. Uh, I had a really great intro as well, the first one, mm -hmm. when you're in the helicopter just looking down at the zombie outbreak and the various... And, and, and introducing the, the camera mechanics, which were, was such an interesting, fun idea. Like, it really captured the idea of shareable content before, it's, before it was ready to be implemented. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it wasn't until this generation that 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 was a thing and i'm sure that's cuz they they're bringing the photography back in yeah and yeah and i'm sure yeah they're going to have they're all gonna... sorts of network sharing options and and so forth with mm -hmm. that version in this <clears throat> it's just kind of startling that it, it was abandoned i mean they brought they they did the spin-off for dead rising 2 where you can play as frank west and and there was photography in that again but um yeah i that was such a an interesting central core mechanic. I mean, it was the the the, the way you earned experience, really. Mm -hmm. Like getting good photographs was the easiest way to earn experience points and and improve Frank's stats, thereby making it easier to survive. Mm -hmm. That's that's the whole thing, and, and and introducing it in the way that they do. Uh, right at the outset, uh, you know how what what framing and scoring a good picture is like, and how to use the camera and the zoom and yeah. all of that is very satisfying as a mechanic as well. Yes, there are other games that have have done similar, and it's always just felt good when you get a shot and the game tells you you did really good at getting this photo, and that one not only you know has that at a basic level, but the, the fact that you get experience and, and stat improvements for it just, again, gives it that extra level of, of value. I really want to play it now. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. not out till the... Triple pack ain't, till out, uh, ain't out till September 13th, so got it quite a ways. But I might... Honestly, while I was uh, watching the film, I was like, I might, I might turn my Xbox One on for the first time in 10,000 years and play Dead Rising 3 again. I just see, to tide me over. I haven't played Dead Rising three yet. Um, I I I wanted to. Mm -hmm. I was not super enthusiastic with the direction it seemed to be going based on the promotional materials and 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 previews and whatnot. Well, yeah, they were saying stupid shit like, "Oh, we we're inspired by Call of Duty and all this mm -hmm. bollocks." Like it was really the marketing was so shit. And there is. There is a lot about the game that's a bit too grey and drab, but they do dig like through that, and then you get to see like there's some really gloriously stupid shit in Dead Rising Three. I did, I did enjoy it a fair bit. I thought it was a pretty damn good game, but well, and it was supposed to be an Xbox One exclusive, and I had no like I, I, that was at the time. I think the one thing about an Xbox One is like, well, it's disappointing that I have no plans to invest in this console because of X. It, yeah. The X would have just been Dead Rising Three, and then it released for PC ten months later. Really, the only thing that's you know kept me from buying it is having disposable income and a sale, and that mm -hmm. sale's coming. Like, one day, that's going to be, like, 15 bucks, and I'm going to buy it. Yeah. 
Um, hopefully they improved it, because I remember when I, I... I actually did a video of it when it came out on PC, and it was uh, it was rough. Yeah, because I had meant to ask... I, 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 I haven't really looked into it. I just really want to play it. Yeah, the video I did ended because I... Because uh, it locked up. It crashed on me and everything. Um, but then again, I mean, it's been out for so long that it's probably had a ton of patches. Yeah, someone's then, fixed it. Yeah, even then, yeah, like amateur fixes on top of that. So I'm sure it's perfectly fine now. But yeah, I guess we could talk about the film. Yeah, we should probably do that because we've been prattling on for 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah, well. About you know, it's... how great the game is. <laughs> and the film is a... It's... It's a not, thing. It's not bad. Yeah. Yeah, it's not as it's good not, as the games. No. 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 But we will be back in a second with the plot to Dead Rising Watchtower. Oh, yeah. This isn't just a fucking f- Dead Rising movie. This is canonical, son. It's not canonical. I don't... It, I don't know. They tried to make it canonical. I, I think. I mean, I think they're going to... Um, well, keep in mind, it, it came out. It was released after... It's the most recent re- recent Dead Rising release, period. Yeah. If you think true about that. it. True. So, I mean, and they nestled it between 2 and 3 so that it works in the continuity and it doesn't uh to my knowledge. Shh. Shush. Don't spoil Jim Sterling's fact of the day that's oh, coming oh, up later. Okay. It's a ve- I, there's a very important time <laughs> at which I have to <laughs> that based on Amazon's Decisions and priorities. <laughs> we'll be back in a second, folks. Oh, I thought I thought we we're, were already breaking. We were, but I re- that was all good enough to st- stay in. So, and now now we've built something up. So we'll be back in a second. Discovered I could do that just a minute ago. Oh, the things we learn. (laughs) It's going to be my new thing. Is it? Yep. In fact, I'm going to lead off this section. (laughs) You You should record that as a song. And just <laughs> put it in the background of one of your jimquisitions. <laughs> I might just upload it as a separate podcast. <laughs> just... <laughs> Tell us about uh, Dead Rising Watchtower. Uh, all right. So before we start, I do want to... Uh... <laughs> so I'm laughing at my chicken yeah. song. Yeah. I do want to uh, point out... Uh, a fun game that the the listeners can can play um, mm-hmm. it, as as I do this because uh, I watched this on Crackle, uh, the streaming video service uh, on which it uh, uh, initially premiered and was produced by. And uh, I don't know if you used Crackle before; they have a lot of commercial breaks. Ugh, I've used Hulu, which is similar. Hulu doesn't. that shit. Hulu does not have as many breaks. I don't. Think, I don't watch a lot of movies on Hulu, though. To be to be totally uh, honest, I. But the um, there's a lot of commercial breaks, and there's not a lot of commercials in the rotation. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and you'll, you'll see this, sh- the, the film is very clearly designed with commercial breaks in mind. Like there's a lot of fade outs and then cut. I back. noticed that. Yeah, like, I, I watched it not on. I watched it on Amazon Video, as 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 people will know, because that's where I get my great Amazon facts for our uh, rundown of the film. So yeah, the fade outs were weird. They did always come back with news reports. So I was like, yep. maybe that was what they were doing. That's the but gimmick. It did, yeah, it did keep feeling like I was watching like a genuine made-for-TV movie. Yes, and so that is much the situation. Um, I had intended to uh, do a fun thing where I list off all of the commercials that I saw during each of the many commercial breaks watching this. That does sound fun. It does sound fun, doesn't it? Unfortunately, this movie is two fucking hours long and there's a whole lot (laughs) in it. Yeah, how much did the... Because again, like, two hours for me watching it straight was overly long. Mm-hmm. How long was it for you with the fucking ads? I mean, it added another thirty to forty minutes to the, to the viewing, and um, Jesus H. Cabbage, that is not on. Thankfully, on the second viewing, that uh, would have you know, I do the writing of the synopsis too. Yeah, it skipped all the commercial breaks. Something went wrong with Crackle's player, and I was able to escape unscathed. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, so that was good. Um, I, Not I, good content for us, though. So what we're going to do is um, end well, the here's, show now. Here's what I schedule. <laughs> rewatch it. <laughs> here's here's what I'm thinking. Listeners at home can do. I want you to think of six commercials that you've seen recently, and whenever I say commercial break. I want you to imagine five commercials playing. Now, you can imagine that one of the commercials in your allotment of six is played multiple times to prevent five different commercials from airing, but they can't play back to back. So just, you know, play this fun game in your head whenever I say commercial and you can sort of uh, get the full, like... Dead get the full rise. crackle experience. Yeah, well, get, get, to, you know, get to enjoy the film as it was intended. Which yeah, that that's that's weird. That is weird that I watched I watched a movie without ads and did not get the un, like did not get the intended exp- that's so weird. <laughs> that's weird. Okay. Alright. Dead Rising. Dead Rising Watchtower. So the film opens with a commercial for Zombrex, the once-a-day solution to zombie virus infection. And the camera puts this adorable child, you know, narrated, animated thing with cute figures and talking about how, you know, it's either mommy or daddy uh, is giving this child Zombrex or... I don't remember the... It's adorable. Does, Does this count as... The you know one of the things we typically talk about on this show the the pre movie narrated introduction to the film. I would, we normally get like a audio like a voiceover explaining the plot of the film before it happens, and this is a bit a, a bit like that. Well, like it's almost yeah. like, a, like a variant of it. I would argue that this employs two of the common tropes that we see in these kinds of movies. Um, in uh, in tandem to achieve the exposition, mm-hmm. because what what we have in this initial sequence you'll see is is a distinct sort of narrative trick, and and then we're gonna get the straight on yeah. exposition shit. And I can't necessarily criticize that because that's how I open the book that I'm never gonna finish. 
Well, there you go. That, I so guess that, go. that's fair enough. If so the, it's good enough for the goose, it's good enough for the gander. The camera pulls back to show that this ad is airing on a TV in the midst of a zombie outbreak. How ironic. Yes. Uh, a man in a leather jacket and servbot t-shirt, servbots being the iconic characters from Capcom's Mega Man Legends series that have... Genuinely be- iconic, not Ubisoft. Yeah, yeah, genuinely iconic, that have uh, uh, become a part of the Dead Rising. They're as much a part of Dead Rising now. I mean, that's the yeah. only place they live. Oh, yeah. So... And uh, this, um, that's indicative of what becomes uh, quite a lot of strong visual language in the film. Mm-hmm. to the games yes yes there's a there is a lot of a lot of little nuanced details that that bring it together and make it dead yeah. rising they do uh, a, a incredibly good the job get the trumpet because <laughs> we'll, we'll be talking about that in a minute right sorry they do a phenomenally good job of being faithful to the source material in in minor ways yeah well they they really are trying to make it part of the the same universe as yes. the games. Yeah. Yes, very much so. So uh, this man in the leather jacket and the Serbot t-shirt is escaping a pursuing horde of zombies by closing a metal gate with a screwdriver, and uh, then he heads down this alley to find a zombie cop eating organs from a corpse and a zombie clown hacking at another corpse with an axe. Yeah. That clown is... Is fucking horrifying. <laughs> yeah, and also one thing we've learned is that that almost everyone, when they become a zombie, just becomes a regular mindless zombie. But if you happen to be dressed as a clown at the time, you're still laughing, and you are still a bit like a clown. Well, there's there's there seems to be a the there, it seems like they're trying to give the impression that there is some slight retention. Of the zombie's former life, because we'll see it here in a second. The jacket will, guy yeah. recoils at the clown and trips over a severed leg, and uh, this attracts the cop's attention. And the yeah. jacket guy throws a trash can at the cop, and the cop then realizes it has a gun that it draws from its holster and starts shooting in the general direction of jacket guy. Yeah, I also like the way that jacket guy, who at this point, because I didn't see any of the pre release material at this point i thought was supposed to be frank west it's because he's got kind of a look like the look of frank west he looks so much more like frank west to me than rob riggle looks like frank west that's that's, actually i'll um i'll point out the my first thoughts with riggle when he comes up but yeah like he's got such a frank west look i thought that's who it was when i found out his name i'm like why didn't they just call him frank until they mentioned later on like they mentioned frank's name and then i kind of smiled a little bit but um what was I going to say? Yeah, yeah. The best bit about this is the way Jacket Guy says no to the zombie when he reaches <laughs> for his gun. It's like, oh, no, no, no. Like, as if the zombie's going to go, oh, shit, you're right, that isn't fair. <laughs> That's it. Keep throwing shit at me, and I'll just stand here. Of course he's going to use a gun. <laughs> uh, I can't remember if zombies did hold and use guns in Dead Rising. I don't remember zombies ever holding weapons. In oh, I mean, I recall them, like, holding them, but not really using them. Yeah. Um, but maybe I'm... God, maybe... now I'm super curious. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be rude in the middle of the podcast. Dead Rising. Zombie. Gun. Yeah, I'm sure that's not going to, you know, result in numerous strange... Uh, the first result is Dead Rising. Um, 
the Internet Movie Firearms Database. That's a website. <laughs> there is a website called imfdb.org. It's a log of all of the guns that have appeared in media. That's amazing! The following guns were seen in the video game Dead Rising. Colt M1911A1, the FN57, the Sig Sauer P228, then submachine guns, Micro Uzi, FMP90, shotguns, Remington 870. The inter- this is amazing! The Internet Movie Firearm Database. Featured article. This is their front page. Featured article. The Bourne Legacy. There's a picture here. Aaron Cross, Jeremy Renner. Dual wields a Generation 3 Glock 19 along with a Sig Sauer P229 in the Bourne. You've got to really love guns if you know... <laughs> You've got to really love guns or put in some weird fucking words to know this website exists. Wow. Holy shit, people like their guns. There's stuff that's being edited right now. Right now, people have been updating The Last Ship Season 3, Alliance of Valiant Arms, half of this stuff I've not heard of, Tumor MTE 224A, the, I'm sure some of that's... 224 or whatever. Resident Evil Outbreak was updated today, so there's fun. As was Resident Evil Code Veronica, Tomb Raider, which is f- funny considering what we're going to be saying at the end of this uh, episode today. <laughs> New article went up today for La Monica Garrett. What's that? We'll get back to the film in a minute, <laughs> listener. Don't don't worry. I'm just I'm I'm in a new rabbit hole. LaMonica Garrett, he's a character from NCIS. LaMonica Garrett can be seen using the following weapons in the following television series. It's an actor, sorry. Um, Not a character. Um, LaMonica Garrett has been seen on NCIS (laughs) as Captain Craig Quincy with a cult model 933. That was in the episode Engaged Part 2, <laughs> Series 9, Episode 9, in 2011. Now, LaMonica Garrett wouldn't hold a gun again for a few years. Maybe he <laughs> swore he'd never use one again. But he was seen as Lieutenant Cameron Burke in The Last Ship, uh, the episode Scuttle, Series 3, Episode 10, in 2016. That's this year, folks, where he had an M4A1. So... <laughs> that... I've done this job talking about <laughs> video games for a decade, practically a decade now. That's the best tangent I've ever been on. <laughs> <laughs> that is the best sidetrack that I've ever gotten on. The Internet Movie Firearms Database. So good. I might, I'm, I'm bookmarking this shit because this, this has to be a new part of the show. <laughs> I have to talk about the guns that were featured. That, that appear in every things. film that we watch? Maybe not everyone, but basically whenever I remember I've bookmarked well, we that. Should, we, should, we should check and see what the uh, <laughs> Internet Archive, Internet Firearms Archive Database, is that what the, what is it? The Internet Movie Firearm Database. The Internet um, Movie Firearm Database says, you know, whether or not they are, are clued in. To the guns that appear in the films that we are covering. Because they may not know about them. They do not know about the guns in Dead Rising Watchtower. How do I email (laughs) the people who run this website? Not not sign up and make the article myself. No. How do I... Let's see if they've got a Twitter account. You're not really Um, qualified. Do you know enough about guns? 
I do not love guns enough to cover this. I once played with a rifle my dad had, and me and my brother would take turns shooting air at each other. Um, that's all I know about guns. Internet, movie, firearm. I'm going to see if they got a Twitter account. See, you, firearm database. You want professionals. You want the experts on Yeah, the I need them to get one of their boys on the job. One of their boys on the job. Um, who's this? The Internet Movie Firearm. This is just a guy called Keith Phipps. Um, he's the film TV editorial director at Uproxx. Uh, he tweeted about this in September 2011. So let's retweet that uh, with a quote. Hi, Keith. Can you tell, oh, your, God. tell your boys at... Uh, I'll just abbreviate that. Internet Movie Firearm Database to get one of their boys... No, that's not right. To get one of their specialists (laughs) (laughs) to uh, make an article on Dead Rising Watchtower. There's not enough words there, so uh, (coughs) let's just take out the the high. So now we just start with Keith. We'll just start formal and direct. Um, And let's take Can You out of it. There we are. So now it's Keith. Tell your boys at IMFTP <laughs> to get one of their specials. We're like, okay. Now, now right. we have we have really firmed up the connection between Keith and the IMFDB. <laughs> Keith is our go-to guy. He's he's the top result for <laughs> I, internet movie firearm database Twitter. So as far as I'm concerned, he's got a verification check mark. He's got to know something about something. (laughs) Oh my god, I hope he responds. How confusing must that be? Five (laughs) years later, someone retweets you and asks asks you to pull strings on a website you've probably forgotten about. Jacket guy then attempts to throw a toaster and a fan blade at the zombie cop, the latter embedding in the officer zombie's head, but it doesn't kill him. Next, a car muffler is swung, causing zombie cop to drop the gun. Jacket guy grabs it, but gets pinned against a wall and has to struggle to kill zombie cop with a shot under the chin. No time to relax, though, as zombie clown has finally made his way over down the alleyway with an axe. After some tumbling, Jack Guy presses the gun against Clown Zombie's nose and discovers... Not fun clown tumbling, by the way. No, 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 no. Horrifying, horrifying clown avoidance tumbling. Mm-hmm. Avoid that clown. And he puts the gun against the Clown Zombie's nose and finds that there is no ammo left in the gun. Zombie Clown tackles Jack Guy as the screwdriver falls off the gate, letting the horde of zombies in. And Jack Guy screams into the camera... While Zombie Clown drools Icor, Icor, 
Icor? Icor? I never. I always said Icor, but Icor? I don't know if that's correct. I, yeah, I'm not sure either. Uh, on his face. Hang Boom. on a second. What is uh, it, Jim? Pronounce Icor. Pronunciation. What have we got here? How to pronounce Icor? Do I really want to? I don't want to watch a YouTube video. Just you know what I usually me. do? I bring up like dictionary.com. Icor. Icor. Okay, there we go. Icor. Or you can have Icor. Icor? It's an upside down E. What does an upside down E mean, Connor? The upside down E is an unstressed neutral vowel. Like about. So, Ica? So it could be Ica as well. Okay. It's 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 got Icor and Ker. I huh. like Icor. Yeah, I'd go either way on it. I think it's yeah. just a fun word. Yeah, it's a Words great are fun. Word. Yeah. They are. Yeah. Cut to the title. Followed by a few days earlier, which might be confusing in about an hour. And we're treated to our exposition in the form of a news report from uh let's see, what is her name? Oh, UBN Susan Collier. Um, the city of East Mission, Oregon is currently under evacuation due to a possible zombie outbreak. A wall has been erected by FISA, the Federal Emergency Zombie Agency, which is, a, you know, a play on the, uh, Federal Emergency Management Agency, uh, that deals with yeah. things like natural which disasters. Which itself, FEMA itself being a play on the Internet Firearm Movie Database... <laughs> FISA's erected this wall to enforce a quarantine, and, of course, a heavily armed motorcycle gang has been looting in the, in the area. Um, we also learned that this is the third zombie outbreak in a decade, following outbreaks in Willamette and Fortune City, which take place in uh, the games Dead Rising and Dead Rising 2, respectively. Um, the, uh, it's worth noting that with the uh, placement of this film, into the continuity of Dead Rising, there is a zombie outbreak every five years in this world. I don't know mm. if it's like to the day. I don't know uh, if yeah, they... Yeah, every five could, years. You know, but th there seems to be a cycle to that. Uh, Dead Rising 1... Uh, Dead Rising 2 takes place five years after Dead Rising 1. Dead Rising 3 takes place ten years after Dead Rising 2. And this gets just sort of slid right into the middle like a penis between a pair of buttocks. That is that, that. That's actually interesting. It's just I thought that that would yeah. So huh. anyway, um, not as e interesting as the facts I've got coming up. But, uh. <laughs> at the East Mission Megadome, which is an a, a, a stadium where an evacuation zone has been set up to transplant <laughs> to transport the poor's who don't have cars and can't leave the city on their own. Uh, yeah, this is a a. Clearly a statement on, on class distinction in society. Absolutely. Um, it's, it, it's very uh, mankind divided. Co coincidentally, many of these people also happen to be survivors of prior zombie outbreaks. Now, Jacket Guy is here, and we learn that he's Chase Carter, a bored reporter for an online news, news service who's expressing disappointment at the lack of zombies in this zombie outbreak. He gives a report 
pointing out how poorly organized the evacuation is and notes that the city has a large community of zombie outbreak survivors dependent on daily doses of Zombrex to remain human because this is very, very important to the plot, hence why we've brought it up twice in two minutes. Then, then he argues with his camerawoman, Jordan, about how nobody cares about the people here, and this isn't worth reporting on, but stops when he finds an acceptably sexually attractive woman and decides to get an interview from her. This woman, Crystal, resists at first, then agrees to talk, but only to make Chase seem like an asshole. It's time for one of Jim Sterling's classic movie facts of the day. Provided, of course, by Amazon.com, who let us down with DOA last time. Very disappointing. But are back, back in full force with the most important, pertinent, trivia, goofs, facts, basically. The news. This is the stuff where when I'm watching on a browser, I mouse over it during every new scene and... I see if Amazon has some interesting information, something that will enhance my viewing enjoyment. So this was the first one. Um, the camera operator and Crystal, uh, played by Megan Ory and Keegan Connor Tracy, uh, also, prior to this film, worked together on the hit ABC show Once Upon a Time. Ory played Ruby slash Red Riding Hood, and Tracy played the Blue Fairy. So, ah, did so not th- know that. There's a, there's, there's, I've never there's watched that show. Yeah. That is that is the most relevant and oh dear pertinent <laughs> fact that Amazon has about this film. Don't worry, they've got more. Oh dear. Just that was the that was the best one. That was the most trivia esque trivia they've got. I'll I'll have some more for you in a bit. So Chase tries to get Jordan next to film inside the medical tent where people are getting their Zombrex. But she has a moral objection to exploiting sick people or whatever and puts Chase in his place by giving him a quarter for the newspaper box saying he needs to be reminded what real news is. Ooh. Ooh, sick bird. Chase goes into the tent anyway and records a video of a man being administered Zombrex using his phone. Now outside, a drone flies overhead, and a man pushing a shopping cart falls over and starts doing the I'm turning into a zombie convulsion thing. Mm -hmm. Back in the tent, the guy who just got his shot does the same, falling on Chase and vomiting blood all over his best dress shirt. Now, more people in the tent turn while people outside flee a growing population of zombies, including Jordan, who returns to the news SUV. Chase escapes the tent using a, a cot as a barrier to push back zombies. Very similar to in the games, like when you can get shopping carts and yep. other roller things. It is definitely... They're very good at that, using improvised weapons. And using the visual uh, language of Dead Rising. Yeah, absolutely. It's one thing the game, uh, the film does really well, is they fight like a protagonist from Dead Rising fights. Yep. There is at one point, I think it's in this scene, where he picks up a traffic cone at one point and slams it on a zombie's head. That's correct. Yeah, yep, that does if it's happen. not here, it's in another scene. It is in yeah. another scene. I know exactly okay. when that happens. Oh, well, there we go. There we go. So Chase, Sorry, I'm getting ahead of you. Chase escapes the tent just in time to see Jordan driving away after she narrowly escapes a zombie at her window at the SUV. And distraught, Chase looks around and spots Crystal kicking ass with a wooden barrier and decides to follow after her. 
commercial break. So while you're celebrating, Allstate will be standing by. Trouble never takes a holiday. Neither should your insurance. That's Allstate, Stan. Are you in good hands? UBN's Susan Collier talks with Frank West, asking him how bad the situation in East Mission will get. Frank West gives a graphic description of zombies eating people. Now, this is the first of a... There are many recurring segments with Rob Riggle playing Frank West, the protagonist of Dead Rising 1. Yeah. Um, Now, here's an interesting thing about the Rob Riggle. Rob Riggle's bizarro, lecherous, hilariously inappropriate version of Frank West. When I looked at him, I was like, holy fuck, he looks nothing like Frank West. Right, that, that, he does not have the look of him at all. Um, they put the, him. The they playing... put him in the clothes. Yeah, um, but you know he's got the these this swagger to him, the gold chain thing. His hair looks all wrong. The guy playing Chase looks much more like him. Then I was um, looking something up just to corroborate a fact, and realized that they actually did nail the look of the cover art for. Dead Rising 2 off the record. Yes. So they actually did kind, kind of nail it. Just, it's not the Frank West you classically remember, but the the painting of Frank West on the front of that artwork, that's the Rob Riggle look with the thinning frayed hair and the gold chain and shit. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I do, I do think that's interesting. It's the, the look is totally on for Frank. The performance is sort of mm. twisted in a strange way. And and you brought up, you know, the oddly lecherous. I don't know, that bit kind of fit for me with Frank. Well, he's a... Frank West is a ladies' man. Yeah. Definitely. But, I don't know, maybe it's because I... As I've said, my experience with Dead Rising was a very long time ago. I don't quite remember him being as pervy. It, he, he may have been. I may. I may be misremembering. He's not. Maybe not quite as pervy, but he's he's definitely um, not as stupid as <laughs> as Riggle portrays, or as he's portrayed to be in yeah. this film. Well, not as Riggle's doing a basically a classic Riggle performance. Yes, like he's very good at playing the kind of clueless jock-esque kind of support character he does that in a lot of uh, you know you see him turn up typically in like a will ferrell film or you know that whole group of people who do films together um he's normally a some supporting class uh, character normally some you know uh, socially awkward jockish kind of guy and he's just doing that as Frank West right. for most of this whereas i think Frank West I, when i think of Frank West i he's not a genius certainly by any stretch of the imagination but he's practical and and he's sort of determined and that gives him a, a bit of a seriousness that the Riggle performance just doesn't have yeah. at all. Well, I think part of what made Frank West uh, such a beloved character to the point where, like, you know, the series has tried different protagonists and has to keep coming back to him is that he was kind of comically serious. Yeah. Like, his performance in Dead Rising was straight. Mm-hmm. But the reason why I've covered Wars You Know is so good is because it's just... It's awkward. Right. And, and, and he... Whereas this 
where Rob Riggle being Rob Riggle, you know, is classically charismatic, which isn't really Frank West. Frank West is is in the games is just awkward for wrong, like Capcom awkward. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that's why people like him. The same reason why people like you know Barry Burton from the very first Resident Evil. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, anyway, but also, um, oh, sorry, I know you want to get back to it. Well, but... oh my, what's that? Um, just another fact of the day for you before you move on. I, I know you like my facts. I do love the facts. Um, Frank is on the show, obviously talking about the zombie outbreak. Also pimping his book. Yes, the cover of which is. The cover of the Dead Rising game box art. So, hey, oh, they are. It's another reference to the games. His book, How to Survive a Zombie Outbreak, it's the Dead Rising game cover. So, Crystal and Chase are on the run from zombies. Chase has to stop and pick up his phone because he drops it. It's a good fact. And he gets caught up by a zombie. <laughs> <laughs> he gets caught up by a zombie and then gets super into bashing its head in with the broken barrier he's been carrying around ever since Crystal dropped it on him. Mm-hmm. A lot of repressed rage. Yeah, seriously. And speaking of Crystal, she totally doesn't stop to help Chase when he gets caught up by the zombie. She is clearly in it for herself. And she runs on to find a woman kneeling next to a minivan and the corpse of her daughter holding the keys to the van with a bloody Swiss army knife on the chain that's open and, and, and bloody. Um, now, Chase catches up and asks if she's been bitten, and the woman says she tried, referencing the, you know, dead kid next to her. Um, Crystal tries to get her to give up the keys, and the woman resists at first, but uh, as the zombies get closer, uh, her survival instincts seem to kick in, and they all pile into the van. And a a zombie gets his arm in the side door before Chase can close it, uh, and they drive off and separate the zombie's body from the arm by driving up close to the alley wall. Uh, As they drive away on the highways in this, this is... There's a big geographic area here that I think is... I don't understand. Now, the, mm-hmm. the during the exposition bit, they showed that, okay, well, I think it was like a 12-block radius or, or something like that, or, or some radius around the Megadome had been closed off as the quarantine zone. But it didn't seem large enough that you would be driving on a freeway through. But they're driving on a freeway. So yeah. I, I, you draw your own conclusions, people. Um, they're reflecting on what happened, noting that the Zombrex didn't seem to work. Uh, Chase gets on the phone to his ex-boss, who just happens to be UBN's Susan Collier, interrupting, oh, interrupting Frank West during his best pickup line, I've covered wars, you know. Hooray! You get your fan service right there. And, uh, Chase and... Susan arranged for Chase to report live on the network uh, what's going on inside the quarantine zone. And there is a very loud fucking plane leaving the airport directly over me. Don't record next to an airport, get a new plane. I should do that. I should not live five minutes from an international airport. That seems like a bad idea on reflection. Yeah. In hindsight. Poor move. Not the best place. Checkmate. (laughs) (laughs) So, Chase reveals on TV that the Zombrex is ineffective, uh, and that's what caused the outbreak. Oh, and the the woman, Maggie, 
Uh, she seems to be having difficulty reconciling the fact that her daughter is dead, continuing to refer to her as if she was not, she were not. Just a little, you know, minor plot detail that might become important later, which is why, once again, the film keeps bringing it up. Uh, now, the distraction of this conversation causes Maggie to drive into a zombie construction worker holding a stop sign, and his hard hat, I guess, uh, presents enough resistance and focused uh, um, physics point to break through the windshield, and he's sort of like half lying in the front of the uh, of of their minivan, and and they're all screaming, and they cr Maggie crashes the uh, the car into another vehicle, and uh, she keeps trying to restart the the minivan in vain. Crystal gets frustrated with how stupid everyone in this car seems to be and exits the minivan heading into a pawn shop, uh, followed shortly thereafter by Maggie and Chase. And, and this is, uh, they do that thing where she stands at the door with it closed and, like, thinks about whether or not to let them in until the very last possible second that they could close the door and not have zombies get in. Yeah. And this is one of those recurring, recurring things that it does. Like, uh, most zombie movies would do this once, maybe twice. This film's already done it twice. Yeah, film loves it. Really enjoys doing this. Mm -hmm. It loves it almost as much as I love facts. The, the Lucky Loan store that they go in is full of items and weapons featured in the first two games. This store is a treasure trove of visual trivia. It certainly is. You have the, uh, the paddle... Uh, the paddle oars from mm -hmm. Dead Rising Two. Uh, there's a whole bunch of other other crap. I mean, it's just tons and tons. Yeah. It, there's also a uh, most notably is a servo bar head. There is a servo bar the head there. Counter. Yep, that's the most obvious one. But but almost like I was looking like almost everything in that store is stuff that is uh, some sort of weapon or item in the the games. Now this is also where we get another commercial break. And this is one of the rare commercial breaks where it's not immediately followed by a, uh, a UBN interview broadcast with Rob Riggle. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but if you're playing along at home, imagine your commercials. And Crystal, searching the back room of this pawn shop, finds a revolver, but it seems to have no bullets. And Chase tries to call Jordan, his, his camera woman, who's on the outside or at least somewhere else, but she's not answering. And oddly, in the back room, he finds a, a trophy of Frank West. And this seems really, like, <laughs> weirdly out of place. Like, the fact that this sort of thing even exists at all is strange. Yeah. Or is it, is it the Frank West Award? Well, here's the thing. Now, I don't know, because you've not played Dead Rising 3. I have not. But in Dead Rising 3, one of the collector thon things that you can do in the game are picking up Frank West statues. Mm. It's a, it's one of those things. Well, then it must be a nod to all that. Around the, so I'm guessing that that's a nod to that. Yeah, it's uh, one of the collectible See, statues from DR3. My internal logic for it was that for some reason Frank West had passed through this town and pawned a trophy that he'd been given. Because he needed the cash. <laughs> that was, 
<laughs> I, that was the only logical conclusion I could draw, having not had the Dead Rising 3 experience. <laughs> yeah. Not that the Dead Rising 3 experience, like, makes it any better, because that's a whole town full of them in random places with no explanation. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, Crystal and Maggie set to work crafting weapons. Um, meanwhile, Jordan is about to reach the containment wall when a police office, officer there gets notification by radio that the virus may be airborne and that they're to use lethal force to prevent anyone from leaving the city. She is, Jordan, I mean, past the, 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 the gate before this cop managed to get out of his car and draw his gun and threaten her. And, and there's another group of people uh, approaching, so he just orders the closing of the gate and, and, and orders that Jordan be kept an eye on while he goes and deals with it. And a, a very nice-looking family uh, yeah. runs up to the, the wall and pleads with... According, according to the Amazon credits, uh -oh. they are the characters are Wolfather, Woolmother, and, and Woolchild. There you go. Which is really tragic if they were related to that wall it <laughs> and are not allowed through it. Like it's just an extra level of, of sorrow that that this film holds See, in its melancholic heart. If David Bowie were alive today, I'd like to think he's composing a new version of Heroes to be about <laughs> this wall and the family on the other side of it. Uh, <laughs> the uh, the family pleads with the police to be let out. And while they're doing that, Jordan's phone rings, and it's Chase, and they update each other as the cops start shooting the zombies that are, you know, sort of fencing in the nice family from behind at the wall. And uh, Jordan gets taken into quarantine while the nice family, who hasn't turned around and gone back, uh, despite the warnings from the police that they'll shoot, get shot by the cops. Uh, and, and we're not, it's done off, off camera. But, but we, we know that they did it. They shoot the cops. Or the cops shoot the family. And it's very sad. Um, Maggie suggests that uh, Chase and Crystal spend the night in the pawn shop, which Chase agrees with because he's learned from Maggie, or learned from Jordan, that people at the wall are being shot, so they have really no way out at this point. And it's time for another commercial break. You see how frequent these are. Yeah, but quite frequent indeed. Quite frequent. Uh, UBN Susan Collier reports that authorities suspect that the local strain of the virus is resistant to Zombrex and may spread by touch or even be airborne and that the city has been sealed off as a result. Chase is back on the phone talking to Susan and says that the rumors are false because none of the people he's with have symptoms. And Frank West encourages Chase to keep reporting... Uh, which uh, gives a, uh, it, it produces a, a smile of pride from Chase, who clearly views Frank West as a personal hero. Um, and then Frank goes on to say that everyone there is basically fucked. Uh, Chase gets Maggie, the mother of the dead zombie, to do an interview, and, the, uh, and she tells the story of how her daughter was bitten by a zombie as an infant and her husband left shortly thereafter, and keeps talking about her daughter in the present tense as if she's still alive, depressing the hell out of Chase. Yeah. The funny thing about this, this scene is way better, because she's making a sandwich mm -hmm. as she uh, tells this story, like putting peanut butter and jelly on a, on a piece of bread. And it's... When she's done telling the story... Um, as Chase gets more and more sad and agitated and upset by it, she hands him the bread and he kind of looks at it for a moment, then picks it up. And it's got a it's, kind it's of, got a smiley face that she's it's made. Got a little smiley and, face. And I, it's really sad. I agree with you. I know exactly what you're about to 
well, I'm. I found it funny imagining that he was just like, shut the fuck up, I want that sandwich. <laughs> See, I just <laughs> I just saw him look at it, and it's just like such callous disregard for the fact that this person's trying to at least introduce some cheer into this horribly depressing situation that they're all in after telling this horribly depressing story that she has. And he just sort of almost cruelly folds it up and takes a really bite does. out of it. Just scrunch it up and chews it up. Like, that, that's why I thought, like, he was just so fucking hungry. I mean, I don't know who the fuck makes an open-faced PB&J to begin with. That's weird. Yeah. But, uh, Maggie does, apparently. Fucking idiot. Um, back in the quarantine tent outside the wall, Jordan gets approached by a cop in a gas mask, and the FISA administrator, a guy named Norton, who gives her a swab so that he can test if she's a zombie. Or, or infected, I should say. Not a zombie yet, but infected. Uh, Chase wakes up in the middle of the night to a beeping sound, uh, which is uh, normally emitted by the Zombrex bracelets. Everybody who has been a uh, survivor of a zombie bite uh, is wearing to alert them as to when to take their Zombrex. Uh, and it's not coming from outside, but from inside the pawn shop. The beeping is coming from inside the pawn shop, sir. And he finds Crystal... Uh, shooting up Zombrex like some kind of horrible junkie. <laughs> <laughs> the judgment in your voice, then. No, but there's there there is this weird like shameful toad associated is, yeah. with yeah. this, and you know he's watching her and holding a hammer behind his back in the event that the Zombrex doesn't work because he had this experience where the Zombrex doesn't work. But she doesn't. And then she's, like, so ashamed of being witnessed having to administer this life-saving drug for a very real fatal condition she has to deal with daily that should be pretty normalized to some extent ten years in. Yeah. I'm, I'm the same way if I have a peanut and need my EpiPen. Like, I, I you know, <laughs> hide in the toilet crying as I jam it into my leg. Like, I don't want to see people... Witness you don't shooting <laughs> up life-saving adrenaline. <laughs> it's, it's it's very it's very strange. But uh, Crystal saw starts like sobbing, <laughs> and Chase sort of half storms off into a bathroom where he dramatically tears open his shirt and then tries to wash the blood vomit off of it as if he's going to wear it again. He's just torn all the buttons. This makes no sense. And then he gives up on cleaning the blood, just throws it to the ground, stares at himself in the mirror, <laughs> and calls Jordan and tells her about Crystal's infection. And then suddenly realizes, oh, wait a minute, fuck, her Zombrex worked. Suggesting that this is not a resistant strain. That, you know, and that leaves that something's different either about Crystal or her Zombrex that's kept her in a stable state. And Chase decides to get Crystal on camera to expose this truth. Maggie also observes Crystal's Zombrix bracelet while waking her up, uh, and tries to be a comforting support figure for her, but Crystal decides she doesn't have time for feel-good stuff, and, and just sort yeah. of storms off. She's gonna make it on her own. She is. And Fiza guy Norton shows up back uh, at Jordan's quarantine tent and tells her that, hey, she's not infected. And also, uh, she, he needs to park her car somewhere else. 
And she tries to tell him that, hey, Strain's not resistant, and we know this because of my dude on the inside, but he needs proof and can't risk uh, 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 spreading the infection by bringing Chase and Crystal out. It's at this time the army rolls into town, and Jordan takes photos of them coming, uh, driving into the area. And General Lyons, who is the uh, either the all-state insurance guy or the former president of the United States from 24, you know, whatever you, your preference is, uh, comes out and gives a press conference to say that the army is going to firebomb the city in 48 hours. And no amount of insurance will cover that damage. But if... Allstate commercials were one of your six in playing our game. You can imagine one now during another commercial break. <laughs> UBN Susan Collier asks Frank what advice he'd give to survivors in East Mission, and he somewhat impractically says that they should run for their lives and not give up, even though they're pretty much fucked. Chase runs into Crystal as she's packing up to leave the pawn shop and also attempts to be sensitive to her condition. Uh, and asks why her Zombrex worked. Not liking the clinics, she's been acquiring hers from a dealer. But She uses the word dealer. She uses the word dealer. For life-saving medicine. Not heroin. Life-saving medicine, everyone. Uh, you know, this is... It's... I know that there are people who illegally buy necessary pharmaceuticals. I know that that market exists. Would you call that person a dealer? I'm trying to imagine. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in my thirties. I've got plenty of medicines to keep me going. Um, nope. Nope. If I got any of that stuff through someone else, I mean, shit, I've gotten some stuff before from someone. Just like fucking trying something out to see if it would help. You would think of it as... You would call him a dealer. You'd say, I have a black market supplier. Or... Something else. Not dealer. Dealer guy. Dealer is some dude on a street corner. That is specifically about class A fucking drug. <laughs> or weed or, you know. Yeah. Very odd. Um, so, anyway. I mean, even these days, it's weird saying dealer for weed. So, would it, would know, it be like a weed guy or a weed dude? Yeah, like my, my weed person. Okay. Like if they just, I, can I mean, still see people I, I know use, people still. I mean, I know. It's, I know people still say. I know. Yeah, it's, I know. It's 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 kind of normal, like really normalized now that that people use marijuana and purchase marijuana from less than legitimate sources. But yeah, I would still expect dealer to apply it, there it just because there's a stigma up. of the illegal drug there. But I just feel like I don't know. It just it's become such a normal thing, at least in. Uh, people of our age bracket, that dealer seems almost wrong for it now. Mm. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe that's just me. That could be. Hard to say. But it's wrong for Zombrex. It's totally right? wrong for Zombrex. Uh, you know, she only has one dose left and no other source, which is why she's so desperate to, like, leave and go out into that mess outside. Uh, Maggie bursts in, uh, paranoid that they've all left without her, and says that they need to stick together, but Crystal's deser- just determined to go vi- find her Zombrex. Gotta have it. You know, all my life-saving drugs. Just then, on a TV that didn't seem to be turned on up to this point, General Lyon's announcement of the firebombing comes across. 
and as the group then pro is in the midst of processing this new information, the local motorcycle gang arrives on the street in front of the pawn shop and begins looting. These guys are amazing. These guys are, they are, look straight out of Mad Max. They are amazing. Their leader, who I will be calling Macklemore, enters the pawn shop, which I should have said thrift shop to tie into the Macklemore joke, but I fucked it, so we're just going to keep going. Fucked that up. Yeah. You blew it. While our heroes hide in the back room, and the epic mealtime guy lights off firecrackers <laughs> on the street to attract zombies. It, this is, it's, it's the guy from Epic Mealtime, and you know which one I'm talking about, because it's the only one you think of when I say Epic Mealtime guy. I think there were like two or three guys involved in that, but there's only one you're thinking of. There's a, there's a dude. There's a dude, and he's there lighting up firecrackers so that he could kill zombies using a kukri knife while riding a motorcycle and wearing a welding mask. Yeah, officially... Uh, his character's name is the Pyro Biker. Yes. You got the Pyro Biker, the Bald Biker, and the Mohawk Biker. Or as I like to call him, Macklemore. Uh, Macklemore. Because he don't. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like Macklemore out of the thrift shop video. He really does. It's like older, a little more haggard. Like Macklemore, if the career hadn't succeeded. He does look a hell of a lot like an older... It's weird. Burned out Macklemore, yeah. So Macklemore is admiring a, the uh, spinning blade gauntlet thing Crystal had built earlier in the film when he hears a noise from the back and goes to investigate. Back there, Crystal gets the drop on him, putting a, the revolver to his head and threatening him into dropping his totally rad sword and leaving the shop. Relieved when it works because she has no, no bullets, in case you've forgotten. Uh, which, this this movie's so long and so many, like, events happen in such a dense fashion that I, I totally had the first time forgotten that she had checked the gun and found that there were no bullets until this sequence. And, and then she mm -hmm. was all relieved. And I was like, oh, she knew she had no bullets. Huh. Go figure. Just, uh, maybe that happened to you. Maybe it didn't. Um... On the way out, Macklemore runs into uh, uh, one of his buddies. I, I don't... What was the third one's name? Because we got Pyro and, and Mac... Uh, Bald. Bald? I don't think it's him. Yeah. I don't think it's Bald. There was, uh, there was only three named ones. The the Bald one was the guy who had the uh, the skull... Onion mask? Oh, okay. All right. Well, maybe, then, then I think it is him. But he they, they meet up, and uh, on the way out, uh, Macklemore takes the uh, spinning gauntlet thing. Uh, says he found his sword, as if that was supposed to, like, I mean, he just lost, it's a really dumb line. I don't know why it's there. Well, he said he lost it, he dropped his sword. No, he said he found it. I checked that. And they said he dropped well, it. Well, look, in the Crackle subtitles, which I'm going to say is the de facto source. Well, The I, intended I, viewing experience. I def well, it, it is the intended viewing experience. But I definitely heard him say drop because he didn't want to admit that he just got robbed by, you know... A woman, because that's his internalized misogyny coming out. The closed caption subtitles on Crackle said, "Found." You be the judge, listener. Yeah, it's it's it's. Who do you trust more, me or Crackle? <laughs> I mean, I I know the answer's Crackle because they're the only ones that bring top-notch entertainment along with uh, the commercial goods that you need to know about. But... Joe and Jane Normal. Like, two average, everyday citizens who seem to be in a relationship, judging by their, you know, 
body language and behavior. Yeah. Uh, well, the fact that they were doing hardcore anal out <laughs> on the street was a bit of a given. <laughs> They're they on the street uh, and find the motorcycle gang. And Joe decides to stroll on up and ask Macklemore for help leaving the city. Like you do. Yeah. The gang leader demands $10,000. And when Joe says he doesn't have it, punches him, takes his wallet, and says he should have offered Jane instead. Jane runs, but winds up trapped on top of a car surrounded by zombies. And as the gang leaves, Macklemore stops to ask if Jane wants a ride, then leaves her on the car to be eaten. Yeah, says she shouldn't have run. Should not have run. One of the zombies that eats Jane is just uh, dressed up exactly like Chuck Green from Dead Rising 2. I thought I noticed that. I thought I noticed yeah. a zombie specifically I, wearing the um, racing the, the jacket. Yellow, yeah, like I didn't even need Amazon for that, but I immediately moused over to get confirmation and Amazon was right there with the screen. Good for them. Good for they were them. on the ball on that one. We get another commercial break at this point, too. Oh, thank fuck. Yeah, I know, it's been a really long time since we had one of those. And we come back to UBN Susan Collier asking Frank to give younger viewers tips on what to do when confronted with many zombies. He says to start with your grandparents and save adults for last in a sober, grim manner before cheerily encouraging them to also build lots of weapons. I genuinely laughed. I love this During this, this whole scene. Just like, start with your grandma. <laughs> Get your siblings. <laughs> and then it descends into this just sort of like staring into the middle distance acknowledgement mm -hmm. of how grim all of this actually is. And then it's, and don't forget to build weapons, kids. <laughs> Lots of weapons. It's so wriggle. It's so good. It is very, very uh, it's, good. It's definitely one of his, his best little bits in this. Yeah. Now, that's exactly what uh, Maggie and Crystal are doing. Duct taping a shovel to the other end of, uh, to the butt end of Macklemore's sword to make another, like, yeah. now, polar thing. Now, I can't remember from the first one, and I didn't play enough of the second one, was weapon crafting in either of those two games. That was introduced in Dead Rising 2. Okay, okay, so that was a... Because I know it's a, it's a big focus of Dead Rising 3. So yeah, I, I, I just wanted to know exactly what they were referencing there. Because so, it definitely has to be a reference yeah, I'm they're making these things. I'm pretty sure there was not crafting in the original Dead Rising. Someone may correct me on that. I, I th There were some items that you would get um, by having done certain things that required items in a specific mm -hmm. way, I think. But... Um, Oh, that's it, because the big but that was the big in feature Rising, in Dead Rising 2, yeah. yeah. Um, the big gimmick in Dead Rising 3 was um, vehicle crafting. Like, if you get two vehicles next to each other, you can combine them. That seems so like that a super up... practical thing you'd do a whole lot of. It's, it's amazing. Like, it's one of the best things about it, is, like, some of the weird shit, like a bulldozer motorbike thing. Like, it's, it's ridiculous. Okay, that is kind of awesome. That does sound yeah. cool. Um... So, God, I'm going to play that today. <laughs> I'm going to replay it. Chase tries to convince Crystal to go on camera, um, expecting that the release of proof will prevent the bombing from happening, but she refuses and leaves the pawn shop in search of Zombrex. And Maggie follows her, but not before Chase tries to once again crush her delusions by telling her that her daughter is dead. 
And then he calls Jordan and asks her to help him find some Zombrex while digging around in the back room and uh, gets all googly-eyed over a circular saw. Outside, the ladies are preparing to quietly make a move past the zombies eating Jane normal to the open van of one Bonzo the party clown. Before they can, Chase exits the pawn shop with new weapons, gas-powered weapons that make noise, and starts yelling... No, I guess, I guess the, the saw is electrically... How is he powering that? How is he powering that fucking circular saw? That makes... With journalism. God damn it! God damn it! Why didn't I think of that? How did he... Right, anyway. Starts making a whole bunch of noise and taunting the zombies, which uh, annoys Crystal even further, because she, you know, she was just saying we got to be all quiet and do this. And then begins engaging this beautiful, senseless zombie destruction with the, the saw on the end of a pole, and, and, then, and then using a, a baseball bat, and a severed zombie arm, and a, a traffic cone on the head of a zombie, and picking up a sandwich board sign, and, 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 and all of this while, while cultists on board by the darkest of the hillside thickets plays, and this is now like the best zombie fighting sequence in a movie because it has cultists on board by the darkest of the hillside thickets playing. I love that song. I love that it's in this movie. I love that someone acknowledges this band. <laughs> uh, it did work really well for the song. It works really well. And that is from the album uh, The Shadow Out of Tim released in 2007. Uh, it is a retelling of its concept album retelling H.P. Lovecraft's um, uh, The Shadow Out of Time. If you've not heard it, Oh my god, you should listen to it. It's really, really, really good. Um, anyway, this whole sequence uh, ends with uh, uh, Chase being overwhelmed and, uh, and, and driven into an, an alley where he closes a gate behind him and locks it with a screwdriver and, oh shit, this is all suddenly really familiar. Oh, no. And the entire opening sequence is replayed with some tighter editing, uh, ending with Bonzo, the party zombie party clown, being struck on the top of the head with his own van, causing it to stick in the front grill and separate from his body as the van then pulls back in reverse. Um, Chase gets into the van, and the groove drives off once more, scanned by above uh, with a drone. Yeah. What was the name of the clown in the first Dead Rising? I do not remember. I'm trying to wonder I if I do that was know a that there was a zombie clown and that was like one of the first psychos that you yeah. could encounter in the original Dead Rising, but I can't remember his name. Um, interesting about uh, this. This is a, like a continuity error. And I, I mentioned early, early, early in this whole nightmarish process that has been going on for, oh my God, at this point. Um, <laughs> that, that it might be confusing because it said a few days earlier and then it showed that, you know, news report and the, the evacuation site and all of the stuff happening and the actual start of the story. But this is like less than a day later. Yeah. So fuck you. Wait or not. Wait. I mean, this is a, that's a simple fix. Could you not have said 24 hours earlier? How did you miss that you did that wrong? How'd you goof that? Yeah, and funnily enough, um, 
uh, Amazon doesn't point any of that stuff out. Like sometimes they'll do continuity goofs and stuff. Yeah. They didn't point out any goofs or errors in this film. Just trivia. Curious. Yeah. Very curious. And, and considering some of the trivia I've, I'm, I'm, I'm yet to bring up, <laughs> it's doubly weird that that's what they focused on. So as we come back from a commercial break... Hey! Frank West asks UBN's Susan Collier how she would kill him if she had to. He'd smash I her head liked... with a television. I also really like this scene I like as well. this scene. The, the, the progression of these scenes as Susan becomes just more and more exhausted by what mm. a buffoon Frank West is. Well, it was... Again, like, very classic Regal, very classic that style of film that he's in, yes. where it's like, you know, I wouldn't kill you. Even if you were a zombie, I wouldn't kill you. Yeah, just kidding. I'd smash your TV over your head. That TV. That one, big one behind you. Yeah. Just that whole thing of interrupting oneself and, and expanding on a minor detail with pointless added stuff. Um, it's, again, genuinely, like, not even, you know, by our standards funny like genuinely comedic scene yep these are for the most part pretty good uh those little uvn sequences yeah now jordan asks fisa guy norton for the location of any zombrex supplies that they might have in the quarantine zone saying she's trying to save lives as she's saying this they run into army general lyons who asks how she can save lives and she repeats her interests in zombrex to prove that it's a non-resistant strain and Lyons leaves, and Norton continues to blow off her request, but later she returns to her car to find a list with the location of some Zombrex in a warehouse. So, <coughs> someone's helping her out, and that's great. Norton's coming to the rescue after all. He's not some feckless bureaucrat. Now, after we see the greatest zombie in the history of zombie movie zombies, because this zombie is so... Like, moi. Like, <laughs> I, I am in awe of the person who had the thought to make this zombie and the vision to execute it. It is a zombie wearing a baby Bjorn and munching out of it like it's a feed bag. Like, this guy's right up there with Bub from Dawn of the Dead, in my estimation, in terms of, like, <laughs> awesome movie zombies. He's right there. I don't know where he's been all my life, but I'm never, ever going to forget this guy. <laughs> ever. It's a brilliant, brilliant zombie. Brilliant. Because it's a dead baby joke. And a zombie joke. And a f- they worked hard on it. And, I mean, it's so perfect. The baby Bjorn's feed bag is such a, an amazing image. Oh, I love it so much. Uh, Chase gets the location of the warehouse with the Zombrex from Jordan while m- waiting with Maggie and, uh, for Crystal to check a pharmacy. And Maggie like leaves the van and flips wheelchair zombie over, who is now here for reasons. Uh, this is the, the wheelchair zombie. This is a wheelchair zombie who was bitten outside the stadium during the initial outbreak bit. And now he's here. 
and I don't know what the distance is or how they travel. And I don't really understand the, the like the movement patterns of zombies necessarily, mm. but I do think it's odd that they are in what seems to be a completely different location, and this dude's just here. Yeah. Um, the group then heads for the warehouse, which has curiously been encircled by a wall of shipping containers. Uh, they go in through uh, uh, the door on the side of a, a container that's been turned sideways to act as a gate, and, uh, in, and into this walled area, and into the warehouse inside, uh, which uh, and, and start exploring. And Maggie sort of gets distracted and breaks off from the group uh, because of a stuffed bear, uh, or at least half of one, the other half of which seems to be playing uh, Be My Friend messages on a loop from somewhere. Classic zombie movie trope. Uh, Chase and Crystal keep moving, find a whole load of Zombrex, along with a zombie chained to the floor, which is repeatedly injecting itself with the stuff. So it turns out that this Zombrex is the same as the stuff that was at the stadium and therefore useless. Uh, Chase takes some photos of the Zombrex shipment and says that they can still prove that the problems with the drug stopped the bombing and saved lives. All Crystal has to do is take a dose of the ineffective Zombrex to show that it doesn't treat the symptoms and then follow that with her last working dose um, all on camera. And, and Crystal wrestles with this dramatically in the same fashion that all characters in this film seem to wrestle with dramatic things by violently bashing in the head of the zombie that's chained to the floor and then tells Chase to get the camera. Uh, she breaks her sword shovel thing at this point. And it's, like, yeah. really the only time it gets used. It's kind of crappy craftsmanship. Like... <laughs> this film takes place between the events of Dead Rising 2 and Dead Rising 3. Is this, Amazon, is this when it decided to give you this information? Amazon, at this point, <laughs> decided that was when to hit us with that fact, that piece of trivia. Wow. Huh. Really, uh, really on the stick there, Amazon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More specifically, it was during um, the the whole warehouse scene. Um, but I was quiet for a moment because I had to do a quick bit of typing. Sure. And that'll be muted on the thing when, if I remember. Um, I probably won't, but I might. You might. Um, Who knows? But I was like, I've got to get this bit done quickly, get this out of the way so I can do my trumpet. <laughs> Oh my, so Maggie finds the uh, source of the recorded messages behind a door, very obviously like barred shut with a very, th like a two by four and like, you know, yeah. and one of those hook things that's designed to allow you to bar, like this is a, a legitimate barred door. This isn't someone like nailed shit to it or propped something up against it. This was prepared barring. Yep. Yeah, this is this is basically the don't ever fucking open this door door. Right, yeah. I just want to make sure you have the visual so that the, the, yeah. all the warning signs that this is not like, a door to be opened were clear. Imagine imagine the door in The Walking Dead, the famous don't open dead inside door. It's that times, like, loads. Without the sign. It's just Without missing the, the sign. sign. That's all. The words just aren't there. Everything else about it. They didn't need the words because... The That's it, yeah. The entire framing literally says dead inside. Yeah, like, it's, it's, it's more heavily barricaded. 
It's it's the it's the most don't open dead inside a door can be without don't open dead inside written on the door. <laughs> By the way, um, the 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 fi- the next fact that, that that I've got for you, the fact of the day, is coming up, mm-hmm. um, and it's the last one. Oh my! So I just want everyone to be like hyped up. For okay. Me. All right. Well, so well, we're... Um, I'm gonna. I'm going to be like just just letting you know that that's coming that's, as it comes because I really want you to pay attention. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, gosh, if only you had some some means by which you could communicate that you were about to announce yeah. a uh, Don't yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean it, it it it'll be announced with the most fanfare that I've ever announced <laughs> a fact. Don't worry, you won't miss it. Oh good. Do what oh you good. Prepped. I want you all prepped. <laughs> So please carry on because we're we're coming up to um, just a really stupid part <laughs> of the film. <laughs> so going inside, Maggie discovers because because you, you find this door, and I don't know about you, my reaction would be to take the fucking bar off the door and go inside. But Maggie does this and discovers a room full of languishing zombies, including a girl in a very pretty dress who is not her daughter at all. Holding the other half of the bear, uh, Maggie apologizes to her as if it were her daughter in in a a demonstration of the deepening delusional uh, uh, break with reality she's having, Um, and holds out her arms, and the zombie shuffles over and starts eating her neck, and this leaves the door wide open for all the other zombies in the room. To just meander out into the warehouse. Yeah. Chase records his video of Crystal taking the faulty Zombrex dose in the off in an office in the warehouse. And lo and behold, it does not work. But uh, Crystal needs Chase's help to administer the working dose that they have to prevent her from turning at the last second. And just as they revo- resolve this, because this film really seems to take joy in piling on. Like, whoo, we just had this, you know, really awful dramatic thing happen to us. Oh, shit! Now zombies. Great. Yeah. Um, but the zombies wandering the warehouse start rolling up on the office they're in, and they have to move, uh, eventually winding up trapped on a balcony with a group of zombies behind the door they came through and a small horde of them below, unable to escape. And hey, that sounds like a great time for a commercial break. I love commercial breaks. Don't, doesn't everyone? Can can we have one one now? Let's do that. Let's have one right now. Okay. All right. And then when we come back, UBN Susan Collier tries once again to get Frank West to deliver some useful advice or hope, but once again, it, it pretty much boils down to they're fucked. This again, I again I loved this scene because yep. it it had again that awkward like humor that that. That, that, that typifies the films that, that he's in like just this because he's like you're fucked and then she's like oh well that book must have been really good you know just you're fucked and then it just evolves into him just muttering it had lots of pages <laughs> lots of pages it wasn't all just you're fucked just just this petulant schoolboy that's been reprimanded style it's just honestly like I'm sure YouTube has just a compilation of Frank West scenes. You you could watch those and be yeah. At the very least, like yeah. check them out. I I think that's good advice. Uh, Crystal and Chase are hanging out on their balcony of death, and Crystal shares her story of surviving the outbreak at Fortune City and being abandoned by everyone in her life shortly thereafter. 
and then shares the video of her taking the Zombrex drug using Chase's phone, learning in the process that Chase has cha changed his name at some point from Chris Krabowski in service to becoming famous, because there aren't famous people named Krabowski, which is yeah. not, not untrue. I don't know a single famous Krabowski. There's a, quite a few adult male porn stars with the name Chase, though. That's true. That's true. So, so either he's way, right he's got path. his career path open. Yeah. Uh, Crystal's video quickly goes viral, and Jordan calls Chase to tell him the good news and to say she's getting him out of there. And uh, Chase, kind of unconvinced, says a goodbye to Jordan and hangs up. Uh, Crystal has nobody she wants to say goodbye to, and so they're both just sort of glumly waiting for death. Uh, yeah. When vehicles pull up outside. Oh, no. It turns out that this warehouse is coincidentally the home of that local motorcycle gang that's been causing such trouble in and around the city. And Macklemore is upset that someone left the zombie room door open when the thing he really should have been upset about is having been so fucking stupid as to have kept a zombie room inside their warehouse <laughs> in the first place. Then again, like, I think the line is, who... Who left open the door to the zombie room? Right, that's, <laughs> like, yes, it's a great, exactly. Great fucking like, line. But it's right in there. Why did you even have a zombie room? Well, I mean, to be fair, when we learn more about Macklemore as it goes on, it kind of, kind of makes kind sense. Of, I mean, he is very much, yes. yeah, like, like the, you know, whether you consider the term politically correct or not, the uh, names of human bosses, non-zombie bosses in the Dead Rising series are called psychopaths. That's true. And that is definitely the role that Macklemore serves in the film. He is, and they, uh, this move is psychopath. And they do a really amazing uh, thematic and uh, character design thing with him. Like yeah. he is, yeah. they do such a great job of translating the video game psychopath sort of archetype into his character in the movie in so many, in, in like several nuanced, interesting ways that we will probably be yeah. getting into a little I bit mean, later. His, his costume actually resembles one of the psychopath bosses in Dead Rising Three. Does it? Um, he doesn't look explicitly like the character, mm -hmm. but the. The jacket with the big sort of um, almost sheepskin fleecy collar um, is worn by a, a boss. Yep. Mm -hmm. Sorry. I got thrift shop stuck in my head again. <laughs> well, the, the, the characters does look fucking awesome in this film. Uh, so, let's see. Where were we? Uh, oh, yeah. Um... Jordan confronts FISA guy Norton about rescuing Chase from the FISA warehouse, but Norton's yeah. pretty upset about the shitstorm caused by Chase's video and not really inclined to help. So Jordan turns around and goes to General Lyons and shows him the video. And Lyons says his hands are tied because he's not in command of the quarantine, but if he were, <gasps> his first order of business would be to go rescue Crystal. Obviously. Yeah. Exactly. Of course. He just needs a little insurance before he, needs, he makes the move. He needs a push in the right direction. He's just got to, you know, be in a position where he can give those orders. That's all. That's it. Hey, let's do a commercial. Because it's time for another fucking commercial. Oh, wait, no, it isn't. 
No, it isn't. I'm wrong. Because first, the motorcycle gang does find Chase and Crystal in the zombie cleanup effort. And Macklemore orders that Crystal be taken, and Chase is knocked unconscious. And then we get a fade to black, which is the perfect time for a commercial break. Yeah, and when we, definitely. when we come back, Yubi and Susan Collier reports on Chase's video and goes to a joint press conference where Jordan and General Lyons work together to sandbag Fiza Guy Norton. And Chris comes to, tied to the steering wheel of a forklift with a radio turned on to attract zombies, while epic mealtime guy tries to roast Cornish game hens on a pitchfork with a flamethrower. Yes, all of these things happened. Please do not sue us, 21st Century Fox. This film is based on the hit video game Dead Rising. <laughs> Thank you, Amazon. Thank you. <clears throat> it's good, right? That's real good. It's real good. Oh, shit. Super Mario 64's uh, coming out on the 3DS today. Oh, snap. The DS version. I'm gonna, I am might get that. So, eventually, a compressed tank on the back of the forklift begins leaking some kind of gas or mist and a zombie headed towards this apparently flammable emission or at least that's the inference because he catches its it, it, this zombie catches its arm on fire uh to further sort of complicate matters and heighten the drama of of uh chase being tied to this forklift steering wheel surrounded by zombies that are getting ever closer um chase frees himself by trapping a zombie that has a knife lodged in its back and using the blade while still in the zombie's back to cut his ropes and escapes just as the forklift explodes. And in quite possibly the most improbable feat in this movie yet, the knife is sent flying by the explosion out of the back of the zombie and into the chest of Epic Mealtime Guy. <laughs> Who looks really, really sad when it happens. He does. He looks bummed. He was having such a good time. He was, roasting them little chicklets and <laughs> just having fun. Uh, you know, it's times like these that make me long for a commercial break. UBN Susan Collier reports that Congress has handed control of the East Mission Quarantine to the Army. And uh, calling for investigations into Fiza's handling of the situation. At the gates of the quarantine zone, Lyons tells Jordan that he sent a team to the warehouse, but there were only zombies there. He comforts her by pointing out that the evacuation has resumed at least, and her actions have saved lives. As she watches people being let through the gate, her phone rings, and it's Chase, who says he's at the warehouse. And Jordan realizes that she's been lied to by Lyons. That's a setup. Lion's been lying. And he, she tells Chase to head to the gate with Crystal, but not to identify themselves to anyone there when they pass through. Crystal is in the warehouse office, being physically and verbally assaulted by Macklemore. She attempts to get him to lower his guard through seduction, but he doesn't fall for it, and instead shows her a bomb on a timer and reveals his grand plan which is to blow open the wall surrounding the quarantine zone and let the zombie outbreak loose 
because this whole zombie apocalypse thing has really broken the shackles of his old 9 to 5 existence. Mm-hmm. He considers himself a king. It's, king of the it's, zombies. It's gone real well for him. And he then intimates that there will be some forceful oral, oral pre- some forceful oral penetration in the immediate future, which earns him a punch to the genitals. Uh, Macklemore then pins Crystal on a couch, and she bites him, revealing her infected status. Macklemore is, understandably though not undeservedly, upset by this turn of events. Outside the warehouse, Chase is making lots of noise on Epic Mealtime Guy's motorcycle, and gathering a huge horde of zombies in his wake. Crystal attempts to run from the uh, injured Macklemore. Yeah. So did we point out that the other biker, uh, the bald biker, during this scene is playing Dead Rising? Not yet. I was about to get there. Okay. I was li- I know yeah, that happens when she literally, bites literally about I'm to hit sorry. that. No, 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 no. Your timing is impeccable, sir. Impeccable. She attempts to run, but she's caught by this other gang member who had been outside the office playing Dead Rising Three on an Xbox One and three monitors, because why not? It's the zombie apocalypse. Live it up. <laughs> right. That's exactly what I would want to do. That's the kind of escapism I would want from yep. the situation outside. You know, a little little tension release. A little way to relax from the zombie apocalypse outside is to play a video game in which you survive a zombie apocalypse. That's just... That that makes sense. That's synergy. Right there. It's what I would do. Uh, the, uh... You know what's really weird, mm. though? If he's playing Dead Rising 3, and this is canonically in the universe... He is playing a game <laughs> about... that's predicting events that really happen in universe in the future. Oh my god! Oh my that's god! That's some Doctor Who shit. <laughs> the Doctor traveled back and left yeah. behind a copy of Dead Rising Three for the you know this, or no, he influenced the development of this zombie video game in order to warn people about the impending events five years yeah. later in Dead Rising Three. <laughs> That's spectacular. Man, that is deep. That, That's a multiverse. <laughs> shit. It's complicated. They, they, there are layers to mm-hmm. this narrative, for sure. Uh, <laughs> now, uh, this guy chases her around a little bit and eventually catches her. And before Macklemore can exact his revenge, he hears Chase revving the motorcycle engine outside and leading the zombies into the warehouse. And so he just sort of tells his hens- henchman to just, just, just kill her. Um, that's it. Yeah, I love the way I love the delivery as well. Like, like he's just given up on the idea and bored and pissed off. So he just just shrugs, just kill her, and then just look like walks away without looking. And this is uh, it was a great delivery. It's, it's a an appropriate assessment of the situation. He might be a psychopath, but that doesn't mean he's stupid, right? Mm-hmm. He's just gonna had some problems with a zombie apocalypse and snapped. He's not stupid. Uh, he does the thing that... He, he does one he, of the two... He even says that, like, like when, when she tries to seduce him and he doesn't fall for yeah. it. Like, he, he's, he's quite genre savvy. Yes. And so, but, you know, he... He succeeds in avoiding the trope of being distracted by the... Um, the one one of multiple protagonists while the other one comes and launches the assault 
Like, yeah. He succeeds in not falling for that trope, but doesn't uh, succeed on avoiding the I'm going to watch you die to make sure it happens thing. Like That's true. He, he, he could have just gone over and killed her quick and helped and made sure it was done. Maybe things would have turned out a little differently. That's all I'm saying. His goal might have been accomplished. All he had to do was make sure she got killed. Fucked it up again. Watch more movies, people. Uh, the, uh... Macklemore and uh, Chase get into the fighting, as does Crystal and this other gang member. Though that fight's a lot shorter because Crystal uses a shotgun and leaves a terrible game over screen in the background on the monitors after he gets shot. (laughs) (laughs) She then uses the makeshift bayonet on the end of said shotgun to down Macklemore so that she and Chase can escape, leaving the gang leader behind to be attacked by zombie Maggie, so it was nice to see her come back. General Lyons gives another one of his press conferences, introducing a new delivery method for Zombrex that Phenotrans has developed. It's a chip implant, which administers the drug automatically, and lasts a year, that will be put into all infected survivors, removing problems of limited access or human error. Now, Jordan goes back to Norton, who's super pissed now that she's ruined his career, but learns that he was not who gave her the warehouse address and that Lyons has deceived them both again. Norton reveals that Phenotrans, the company behind Zombrex, offered the chip-based solution to Fiza years prior, but it was rejected because of the civil rights issues associated with its technology and the ability to track citizens. Yeah, and also... As an interesting fact, um, not an Amazon thing, this is just uh, with how it ties in with the game, uh, that is a big plot point in Dead Rising 3. I assumed that it must be. The chip, yeah. It's, uh, you get embroiled with this, these groups called the Illegals, who that those are people who live off the grid. Like they're, they're unchipped they survivors. They need but they're unchipped, mm-hmm. and, and it's uh, you know, a whole thing that the military and whatnot are trying to enforce. So, again, it's, it's, they really did make this basically a prequel to Dead Rising. Yeah, they, they, they tried to serve as a bridge uh, between the two games. And and based on what you're telling me of Dead Rising 3 and my experience with the prior two games, it sounds like they've done a, a really solid job of that. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, there, there is one other thing that once you mention it, I'll bring right. up the yeah, one, and then I know, I think I know I, Well, I'm pretty sure I know what that is as well because I did read a little brief synopsis stuff for Dead Rising 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. Um, now... Uh, the East Mission outbreak has, has provided the government and Phenotrans the excuse that they needed to implement these chips. Norton asks if Jordan got any other information from the warehouse, and she shows him some pictures from her phone. As he's looking at a shipping label on a box, Jordan observes that the army already had the Zombrex chips with them uh, when they arrived in East Mission as she examines the photo she took with her camera. Jordan goes to Lyons, and presses him for more information on the mission, which failed to find Chase, but Lyon's not, he's not cooperative on that front. Though he is proud of the work he and his men are doing in saving lives, and he sounds like an all-state insurance salesman to some degree. Jordan 
then asks about how quickly the chips can be made available to treat everyone, uh, which Lyons estimates that Phenotrans could accomplish in three to four days, realizing too late that Jordan may have secretly been recording that statement and actually be up to no good. Hey, let's have a commercial break. <laughs> Learn about products, consume. That's our last commercial break. Like, it's it's there interesting, they're spaced out oddly, and you have, you know, like these five to eight, or I guess I guess eight to, to ten minute segments between commercials. And then here at the end and at the beginning, you have like this 20 minute segment of no commercials. It's just this weird balance. It's, it's strange, but we're done with them now. Uh, I hope you enjoyed imagining all your commercials at home. UBN Susan Collier and Frank West debate the merits of the Zombrex chip, with Frank displaying a level of distrust for the government that could only sound remotely rational in a Capcom-related product, and is met with an appropriate level of incredulity uh, from Susan. Um, now, obviously, Frank's absolutely right, because it's not that Frank is batshit crazy, it's that the worlds of Capcom games are batshit crazy, and he understands the logic, ultimately. Like, that's really the only interpretation I have for this. Is that he's the one who sees through the absolutely absurd bullshit because the absolutely absurd bullshit could only exist in this world. Norton and Jordan meet up again. Jordan tells him about the incongruity of the army needing three to four days to acquire chips from, chips from Phenotrans, yet already having them when they arrived. Norton shows her, using a laptop which... I'm pretty sure is a razor blade. You got a little product placement there. Uh, Maybe. I mean, the adverts are done, so let's just get the product placement. Well, in. and this has been stolen from the army. Last I was aware, and this was many, many years ago that I, I paid any attention to this, but the DOD used uh, Apple computers uh, because they were, they were harder to, to penetrate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Word penetrate took me there. Uh, they stole this uh, uh, razor blade from the army, and using that and a photo that Chase took of a shipping label, he shows her that the shipment of ineffective Zombrex was actually sent from General Lyons' army base. Armed with this evidence, Norton goes off to expose Lyons, but runs into a couple of soldiers on his way out of the tent and gets detained. Jordan sneaks out the tent another way, but see soldiers in certain, that are now searching her news SUV, so the word is out. Jordan records a quick message for Chase, telling him that the army is responsible for the outbreak and how to prove it with the shipping label if he can't find her. She then puts her phone and camera inside a Wall Street Journal newspaper box, and I wonder if they paid for that placement, and stands up just in time to be found by soldiers and arrested. Chase and Crystal arrive near the gate, but before they can escape, Macklemore drives up, blaring loud music from inside Bonzo the Clown's party van. He launches smoke bombs to prevent the army from being able to see into the street, and starts his own approach, uh, assault really, on the wall, leading this army of zombies behind him. And Crystal and Chase hide in the back of a truck, emerging a short time later with new weapons, Crystal's dual-wielding a lovely pair of, of chainsaws, while Chase has another pair of tools in a baton or pole arrangement, because that seems to be the thing that people do here, this time a hedge trimmer and a weed whacker, they confront Macklemore and do the fighting, uh, but Macklemore wears them both down, 
and then throws his axe, which has his timer bomb taped to it, in the general direction of the gate. Crystal starts cutting Macklemore in half at the belly with a chainsaw, while Chase runs to retrieve the axe and throws it into Macklemore's back, which distracts him long enough to let Crystal get away before the bomb explodes and kills him. Yeah. Just as he turns into a zombie as well. Yes, yes. After being bitten ages ago. Well, I, I, yeah, and I don't know how long it's supposed to take. I mean, in the, orig- in the original Dead Rising game, there are characters who are bitten and and persist for a long period of time. Um, like, more than a day, I think. Yeah. Well, I guess that makes sense, because it... How else would they have gotten Zombrex administered? Exactly. Yeah, I think yeah. I think I think you have twenty four hours to stop okay. the symptoms. Because uh, I was remembering all the sudden turns at the beginning, but then I remembered they were already people who needed Zombrex. Right. So yeah, that's on me. That's on <laughs> me, everyone. Chase and Crystal leave the quarantine zone. Crystal gets treated and implanted with a Zombrex chip. General Lyons gets commended by his boss. General Hemlock. <gasps> and yeah, that was the bit I was going to point out. Uh, General Hemlock being the antagonist of uh, Dead Rising 3. And activates Project Watchtower. Oh! Oh, that's why it's called Watchtower. Holy shit. Oh my god. Which is the system for tracking these outbreak survivors. Oh. And Chase does discover Jordan's cell phone and camera in the newspaper box following the sound of her ringtone as he tries to call her. Finding that Jordan recorded her arrest by the army, he know- this means the truth can still come out. But alas, we don't get to find that out because there are credits. Unless there's like a post credit scene. <clears throat> no, there okay, isn't. good. And I would like to point out that I would hope that there isn't. Because Crackle's player does that minimize to corner thing so that it can promote new products once the credits start. Uh. Oh, no, no, but it gets better. Because unlike some of these systems where you can then click on the little window that's still playing the credits rolling and have it expand back out to full size so you can watch what's going on, clicking anywhere in that box is replay. And it takes you (laughs) right back to the beginning of the movie. And if you were to seek... To the end of the movie, after the credits have started, so that you could perhaps, I don't know, (laughs) trick this system into keeping this open, open. I would like to inform you that at least as of the time we record this, this does not work. (laughs) And it goes right back in the corner. Fuck you, Crackle. (laughs) Well, that's Dead Rising Watchtower. Dead Rising Watchtower. (sighs) Oh... God Holy damn, this shit. is long. This is a long episode, yeah. So, Conrad, did you like Dead Rising Watchtower or not? I liked it. I think it's a pretty good video game adaptation. It does a really good job of reflecting the uh, experience of Dead Rising, the, the mood, the tone, the uh, not the characters in all cases necessarily, just because Frank West is doing the wriggle thing, but the wriggle thing is so good that I'm not really taking points off for that. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's uh, irrelevant that that's not what Frank West was, or how I imagine Frank West to be, because that's just totally fucking entertaining in its own right. Um, there's some real, like, the baby Bjorn zombie is so creative... Uh, and, and there's a lot of little creative touches throughout the film. Lo- 
nods to the game series everywhere throughout it. It's very fan servicey, but not oppressively so. No, no, it's um, it's impressive. It, it's the way it's set up. Like, like I said earlier, the way they fight. They fight like protagonists from a Dead Rising game. It's a lot of big picking swings. up everyday weapons, crafting stuff, yep. and stuff that looks like you know the the stuff that's in the games. It's it really does feel like it could realistically be part of the the game universe, which you know is is it only helps that idea that it is a potentially canonical bridging of the gap. Like maybe we're not supposed to think that perhaps that film itself in its entirety is canon but possibly the events are right yeah and i think i think that's pretty reasonable i they did i want it to exist there i want it to live in that space because it feels like a dead rising story complete with the the psychopath thing which you know i mentioned uh earlier that the psychopath the the uh, macklemore character um, those comparisons and how well executed that is, like, they beat the ever-loving shit out of him. Like, yeah, he takes he a lot. so much physical abuse in the course of the fairly lengthy combat section that he features in there at the end, the, the climactic combat bit. And if you have any experience playing Dead Rising games, that is... What you get yeah. when you go up against one of these psychopath It's a characters. boss fight. Yeah. It's a dead fight, rising boss fight. And I've got to say as well, like, I mean, obviously, uh, um, what's his face? Rob. I keep wanting to say Wrigley. It's Wrigley. It's Wrigley. Rob Wrigley. Wrigley. For fuck's sake. Every fucking permutation of Wrigley except Wrigley. Um, even though Rob Wrigley clearly steals the show. Uh, most of the performances are decent at worst, mm -hmm. but the guy playing Mohawk uh, Biker slash Macklemore, I think he puts in a stellar performance. I agree. Like genuinely got that that almost like Michael Rooker esque yes. line between charismatic and sleazy, um, funny but intimidating. Like like the moments where he hams it up. Like there are bits like when he's he turns on the bomb and he's in the office with Crystal, and she's like, are you going to blow us up? And he's like, maybe! And then after his big speech about how he's the king, he turns it off and he's just got this, like, manic look in his wide, open-mouthed face, just as he goes, oh! As if that could have gone like either way, and that would have been yeah. okay. Like, he's veering on almost, like, nihilistic Joker territory. Yeah. And he does it damn well it's like not... the actor himself barely is in stuff i looked him up because he looked familiar to me but i it turned out i'd not seen him in any well he looked but like macklemore yeah <laughs> macklemore um he does mostly bit parts and things yeah. but he's one of those actors who uh i'm looking at and i'm thinking like like the guy who plays um fucking durant in the dark man films uh, whose name I forget, Dr. Giggles. Mm -hmm. um, something I love that Drake guy, but I can't remember his name like either. Yeah, but he's like him almost on, on a s even less successful scale of someone who is fantastic, but nowhere near given the fucking credit and opportunity that he deserves. Uh, yeah, no, he, but, it's, <coughs> it's consistent. He is over the top, but he's over the top in a way that fits within the universe and doesn't reach the point of parody. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's to the point where I'm kind of sad he's dead in this. 
because he could be a, a, like in one of the games. I would love to see that character in one of the games voice acted by the actor and you know with the character model based on him like i would love to see that guy um actually within the actual the, the in-game canon and it's it's a shame that he is uh dead if if indeed this film is to be taken as as part of the official timeline um but yeah like he was the big revelation of the film for me you know obviously i was i was surprised and thrilled when i saw rob uh wriggler diggler diggler uh, but he was the the sleeper hit of the film. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's uh, a pretty fair assessment. I I think that the plot twist mystery stuff was handled very well. Um, I I liked the guy who played the FISA administrator Norton. His, yeah, he was quite good. He 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 had that um, an understated kind of... exasperation, and and, and mm-hmm. it was clear that you know he was playing a character under a lot of pressure and trying to deal with it, and and walking that line uh, between is this character right now in the film portrayed as a sort of uh, limp noodle versus his eventual coming around to the pursuit of justice and. Um, and, and, and the suggestion that he could do that at any time, that he's always right on the very edge of helping the protagonists, uh, is interesting. Uh, and I like that it sort of keeps that nuanced and question, keeps the question in the air as to who, uh, Jordan can trust and work with. And then having the sort of big convoluted, uh, conspiracy th- the uh, arrangement by the army to execute this plan is, is so dead rising. Uh, just, just absolutely perfect uh, kind of plot design. So I'm very, very happy with all of that. I it, This might be the most faithful, or at least in the top three most faithful video game adaptations we've seen. Yeah, I think that's a definite... Yeah, definitely true. Um, it's incredibly faithful. It, it's... It does a better job than Silent Hill, and that had Konami back before Konami was the worst, mm-hmm. like, on it. Like, this is written specifically to tie in with the games, not just spin off from them, not just be a licensed thing. Like, this is Dead Rising. And it does, it, it does that aspect of it very competently. It feels like it could just slide right in there. You don't even need lube. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, like the movie, very, very pleased, uh, pleasantly surprised. Um, There is a sequel, um, which, based on the threadbare bit of information that I was able to to sort of gather from Wikipedia, and and it's worth noting that, man, Wikipedia really under-delivers in terms of information about this movie. Well, that's why I get all of my information from the Internet Movie Firearm <laughs> database. But the sequel, there's a couple of notable things about that uh, in, in the... Is that it's said to be less faithful to the series? Of course it is. I have no confidence that they pull off it, what they did with yeah, you can't, twice. Lightning's not going to strike twice. Uh, but that it's a... There are reports people liked the movie better. Really? So, okay. I'm dying to see how that goes, but more importantly, more importantly, of critical importance to us as movie boys. Mm-hmm. Which we are. The one, the only, Billy Zane. 
is in this film. Billy Zane in the membrane. He in the house. As a villain. So, so you excited. know it's going to be hot. It's going to, that's, that, it, yeah, that is hot off the press. So. Oh, the ink's still warm on that, baby. That's something, that's something oh. you at home can look forward to. I'm looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. uh, Jim, what are we going to do next? Uh, well, we're not going to be looking at Billy Zane. That's true. Next time, unfortunately. You know, I, I go rewatch Demon Knight if you need some quick Billy Zane fixes. Uh, but two weeks from now, in our next episode of the Spin Off Doctors slash Movie Boys, we will be looking at Tomb Raider. Lara Croft Tomb Raider, I think, is to be is more the precise. Name of that, this is the first film starring Angelina Jolie as mm -hmm. the titular. Lara Croft, Tomb Raider. Yeah, which, never seen it before. Really? Always wanted to. Okay. Um, not for the obvious reason, but because <laughs> Chris Barry is in it. Uh, and Chris Barry is fantastic. He's most famous for playing Arnold Rimmer on Red Dwarf and mm -hmm. various other comedy things. He was a big comedy staple in the 80s as well. Big fan of Chris Barry, big fan of uh, Red Dwarf. So that's actually, even though I'm sure he's in it for like all of 10 minutes, that's what I'm most excited about. But that'll be our next it's, film, Tomb Raider. It's been a long time since I've seen it. Um, I have seen this one before uh, a couple of times. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, I saw it in the, th in the theaters the first time, I think, and then uh, I, I caught it on TV once or twice since. And... Um, yeah, I think uh, this will be an interesting. It'll be an interesting one. It, it's definitely the first uh, movie of the sort of oh, we're gonna make a video game based on a movie that came across competently in my mind. So uh, yeah. it'll be interesting yeah. to see how that uh, you know many years later watching it again how that that bears up. But that's so next time, cool. Lara yep. Croft is Tomb Raider. And... Lovecraft Tomb Raider, that'll be our next one. Until then, you can check out more of Conrad's stuff at, uh, for, first of all, follow him on Twitter, at Conrad that's, that's the, all, that's the good word. thing, that's the good stuff. That's, that's the sweetmeats right there. Uh, that's your juicy morsels. Uh, you can also check out his YouTube channel, Conrad Zimmerman. Where I recently again. posted a photo of, or a video of my cat. There you go. Box. You've got cat, cat videos. Because the internet has a shortage. And uh, I'm here to help. Uh, Ah, uh, come on. That's the Billy Zane of YouTube. Come on. <laughs> come on. And we also do another podcast together, Fist Shark Marketing. It's an improvised comedy podcast set within a fictional uh, PR and marketing company. And you can check that out at fistshark.com. That's fistshark.com. Oh, did you notice someone made the observation that they uh, had difficulty understanding what you meant when you said fist shark? Uh, no, mm -hmm. actually. Yes. I literally saw a tweet. It's fact, it's right here. It was sent two days ago. Mm -hmm. It says, "When I first heard you guys mention Fist Shark Marketing, brain autocorrected to hear Fisk, F I S C period mm -hmm. chart, marketing, Fisk chart, Fisk chart." Oh, chart. Sorry, I was imagining like you know someone trying to squirt Vincent D'Onofrio out their arsehole. I don't know. If, I don't know if that's supposed to be short for fiscal, like fiscal chart. Marketing, uh, fisk chart. But yeah. but this is like fist, as in the verb, as in you know, balled up hand, and and shark, as in the predatory uh, ocean creature. <laughs> there you see your fist, shark. There you go. Dot <laughs> com. And we'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye.
Fuck me, that was a that long was a long one. one. I think it's a really pretty good one. 